I'd like to play a game together. Will you do that with me? Will you indulge me? So here's kind of the game. If this phrase that I'm about to say describes you, just stand up. That's all you have to do, okay? So we're going we're gonna to go through a couple of those. Here, here it is. Here's the first one. If you like dogs better than cats, go ahead and stand up. All right, I'm making mental note on who's not standing up right now. I'm actually allergic to cats, big deal in, in our house. Okay, go ahead and have a seat. Um, I'm just making sure, okay, I like you, I like you, don't like you. Okay, no. All right, if you've ever called somebody buddy but you forgot their name, stand up. Or pal, or friend, or amigo, or buccaneer, or anything like that. People stood up on buccaneer, weird. All right, I do this all the time. If you've ever, if I've ever called you buddy, my apologies. All right, go ahead and have a seat. Okay. All right, let's check out the next one. If you've ever waved and realized the person is waving to somebody behind you, stand up. This happens to me every time I'm like in the grocery store and I commit. I'm like, hey! And they're like, not you, you. And I'm like, why'd you do that? Okay, go ahead and have a seat. All right, let's get a little bit more serious. Okay, I kind of change it up a little bit. Here are, some, here are more serious things. Check this out. How about this one? If you've ever seen something that isn't right and not done anything about it, stand up. This is my entire like middle school experience, I think. I mean, I would, yeah, I would be standing up. I am standing up for all of these, as you can see. So it's all good. Go ahead and have a seat. Just a couple more. All right, here, here's the next one. If you've ever had to talk to somebody you love about an unwise decision, stand up. Called the family meeting. You know, you've had to say, hey, all right, let's figure this out. Let's do this together. Look at how many people. Some people are lying. Okay, go ahead and have a seat. That should have been the next one. If you just lied, that last one. No, that's not what it is. All right. Okay, here's the last one. If you've ever made a mistake and needed to be corrected, stand up. And I did that on purpose. That's everybody. Okay. You don't have to stand up. I understand if you're an introvert. I am one. I would not be standing up. Okay. Go ahead and have a seat. Now, we're in the series right now, and we're calling it Stand. And we're talking about the book of Daniel and really what it looks like to stand up for the things of God. You know, the things that we should have courage for, have faith in, as we stand up for the things that matter to God. Now, the first week, we talked about what does it look like to stand out for God, that we can pre-decide to honor God. The second week, we talked about how a fire-tested faith is firm and how God is with us in the hard stuff in life, in the fire. Last week, we talked about what does it look like to stand strong for the things of God, that faithfulness is really our responsibility, but the results are God's responsibility. And that brings us to this week, and here's kind of the big idea. Here's the foundational principle we're going to be talking about today. See if you would stand up for this one. Stand up for what is right. That's it. It's not super fancy, not wordsmithed or anything, just stand up for what is right. Reality is at some point in your life, someone or something is going to do something that's not the best decision. And God, sooner or later, is going to prompt you to do something about it, to stand up for what is right, what honors him, to help guide that person in your life, that situation in your life, back on the right path. And we know kind of deep down that this is all good. Like we want to do this. We want to stand up for what is right. We think that we should do that. But somewhere in there, it gets unclear. Somewhere in there, it becomes really, really difficult for us to do this. Now, here's my guess. You identify with one of two types of people. You're kind of on this spectrum. Some of you have no problem confronting people at all. Like you're going up to people. You know who you are. We all know who you are, actually. Like you're going up and you're like, I'm going to send back the medium steak. It was supposed to be medium rare. And I also want to talk to your manager. And I also just want to see how you uh, interact with the situation. I get it. And that helped, has helped me in my life. Like, yeah, send back the steak. That's all good. 
But there's kind of another type of person, right? There's the type of person that's like, I will never do that. Like, I'm not going to ask for where the bathroom is because it just gets too uncomfortable for me. I'm not going to do it. I'll, I'll hold it. I'm not doing it. You know, the type of thing that you have life or death situations, and if you have to confront in a life or death situation, you'll genuinely consider death before you would confront somebody. So you're kind of somewhere on this spectrum. But the reality is, there are things in our life that we should stand up for. And those things should mirror the things of God. And maybe you're a parent that has a child making a really bad decision and it goes against everything that you believe and you don't know what to do and you don't know how to love them in the midst of standing up for what is right. Or maybe you know somebody who treats other people, maybe even of a different race or a different color or a different creed, that they don't look like them, sound like them, and they treat them with disrespect. And you just don't know what to do with that. And I know that makes us uncomfortable, but we go, oh no, like how do I do this? How do I stand up for what is right? It becomes harder when it's real. Maybe you're having a cookout with somebody soon, and you're like called, and you're like, hey, is, is like Billy Bob going to be there? Because Billy Bob is not easy to be around. Billy Bob, maybe you don't like him. And you're like, how do I, how do I stand up for what is right? He, he treats other people poorly, and I just don't know how to interact with that. That's in my life right now. And if you don't know anybody named Billy Bob, and you don't know anybody you don't want to be at a cookout with, it might be you. But what we're talking about today, what does it look like to stand up for what is right, what honors God? So we're going to spend our time in Daniel chapter 4. And we're talking about standing up for the things of God in a courageous way. Now, we've talked about Daniel and the kings that he's worked for a couple of times already. And today, the king in the story is King Nebuchadnezzar. He's a bad dude. Did you know that Saddam Hussein actually kind of resonated with King Nebuchadnezzar? Saddam Hussein thought that he was King Nebuchadnezzar reincarnated. I'm pretty sure that's true. Google told me that. So I'm pretty sure that that's true. Actually, I really do think it is. So King Nebuchadnezzar is a bad dude. He's a horrific, oppressive king. And so God gave King Nebuchadnezzar a dream. And it really freaked King Nezi out. So much so that he called his magicians and his interpreters. And he said, hey, hey, what does this dream mean? And the magicians and the interpreters wanted nothing to do with it because bearers of bad news would have been killed in King Nebuchadnezzar's kingdom. And they're like, I want nothing to do with that. So I don't know. You're going to have to ask somebody else. And so King Nebuchadnezzar does ask somebody else. He calls up Daniel. Well, he doesn't call him. Phones don't exist. He asks for Daniel. And Daniel interprets the dream. So Daniel's probably 45 years old or so at the time, and he's interpreted dreams before, so I don't know why you just don't go to the guy who who knows what's up. But the king says, okay, here's my dream. And Daniel ends up confronting the most powerful person in the world who could put him to death just by giving him bad news. So this is kind of how the story starts. This is how the king talked about the dream. Check this out. Then as I lay there dreaming, I saw a messenger, a holy one coming down from heaven. So someone from God came down in King Nebuchadnezzar's dream. And King Nebuchadnezzar keeps going on and explains the dream. He says, I dreamt of that. There was this really big tree that went all the way up to heaven. And the branches and leaves were, gave like this amazing shade to the people. They loved the tree. And the animals loved the tree, and the fruit was delicious from the tree. But then this holy messenger from heaven comes down and shouts, cut down the tree, but leave the stump so everyone knows that God is the God of all nations. Have you ever had that dream before? You know, like like the huge tree dream? I haven't either. I've had weird dreams in my life. 
I mean, dreams I'm fallen. Anybody, anybody have a, a falling dream or a flying dream? Those are much more fun. Dreams I was late for something. I found out here recently that like 25% of people have a dream that their teeth are falling out. That sounds miserable to me. I've never had that dream. Now I will, now I said it. But I think one of the worst dreams is like when you know somebody and then you dream that they do something like terrible, you know, like they're just a horrific person. And then you wake up and you're like, oh, I'm glad that's not a dream. But then you see that person that day and you're like, I'm, I'm pretty sure you're a serial killer. So King Nebuchadnezzar says, big tree, holy one from heaven, says, cut it down. Daniel, what's it mean? And King Nebuchadnezzar looks at Daniel, and Daniel looks at King Nebuchadnezzar, and it's like, uh-oh, because Daniel knows what it means, and it's not going to be pretty. <laughs> Imagine having to say something like this with somebody with a power like Saddam Hussein. So this is how Daniel starts to reply. This is genius. Check this out. I wish the events foreshadowed in this dream would happen to your enemies, my Lord, and not to you. And I don't think he's lying here. I think that this is genuine. See, do you say that to people you disagree with? Or do we say like, I'm going to get you. You're wrong. I'm right. That's probably more of the camp that I would be in. But Daniel goes, no, I don't want this to happen to you. And then he says, that tree, your majesty is you. For you've grown strong and great. Your greatness reaches up to heaven and your rule to the ends of the earth. And then he explains the dream. And the, it gets weird and it gets real. I love the book of Daniel because it is wild. Okay, this is what he says. This is Daniel interpreting the dream. So you'll be driven from human society. You'll live in the fields with the wild animals. You'll eat grass like a cow and you'll be drenched with the dew of heaven. Seven periods of time will pass while you live this way, until you learn that the Most High rules over the kingdoms of the world and gives them to anyone he chooses. But the stump and the roots of the tree were left in the ground. This means that you'll receive your kingdom back again when you've learned that heaven rules. I really wish that I could have seen King Nebuchadnezzar's face during that conversation. Can you imagine? Like, hey, King Nebuchadnezzar, you will eat grass like a cow. And he's like, excuse me, what? Like a, like a moo-moo cow? Like, will I have udders? Is that a part of this scenario? Like, how does this all work? I don't even know. Like, this is ridiculous. And he goes, I'm not going to do that. Like, no, that, that, that's not true. And Daniel could have stopped there. He did what the king asked him to do. Like, he interpreted the dream, and he says, you're going to be like a cow. And the king's like, what? And that, that could be the end of the story. But it's not. He takes one step further. And he's courageous, and he says, I'm going to stand up for what is right. I'm going to stand up for the things of God. Check this out, Daniel 4.27. So still Daniel talking. King Nebuchadnezzar, please accept my advice. Stop sinning. Do what is right. Break from your wicked past and be merciful to the poor. Perhaps then you'll continue to prosper. See, stop sinning. Do what is right. That's bold, that's direct, and it stands up for the things of God. So how do we do that? Like in our lives every day, how do we at work or in a relationship or at home stand up for the things that are right, stand up for the things that God cares about? Well, I think we have to notice that Daniel confronted the king in a way that was just so kind, so loving. He even said, please, I mean, for your own good, King Nebuchadnezzar, accept this correction. So how do we stand up for what is right? Here's the first thing I think we can notice. Confront gently and humbly. 
This is so hard, but it's so important. See, Daniel has this spirit about him. He says, look, I want to help you get back on the right path. But you're in a place that could really end up hurting you, hurting the people that you love, hurting this kingdom. And I care about you genuinely. I want to help genuinely. So he did it. He confronts and he says, do what is right, but he does it gently and humbly. This is Galatians 6.1. Dear brothers and sisters, if another believer is overcome by some sin, you who are godly should gently and humbly help that person back onto the right path. And be careful not to fall into the same temptation yourself. So did you notice it? That gently, humbly. But it doesn't stop there. It doesn't just say, hey, be gentle, be humble, and then that's the end of the conversation. See, Daniel's confrontation with the king and this Galatians verse, both, they tell us a little bit more. It's not just to be gentle and humble. It's also to do it for the other person's benefit. Are you with me in this? I think that standing up for what is right means that I stand up for what I think is right. For when I'm right. We do that a lot. We, an opinion becomes rightness. And that's not what this verse is saying. See, we stand up for what is right to help someone else be right with God. See, the goal isn't rightness. The goal is restoration. And you might be a confrontational person and you go like, well, what about truth? No, this is about truth. It's about God's truth. See, the goal isn't rightness. The goal is being right with God. And if that's the case, confrontation, standing up for what is right, can be one of the most loving things that you could possibly do for somebody else. And that challenges the people who are like, I'm not going to confront at all. No way. It could be one of the most loving things you could possibly do. But we need to do it gently. We need to do it humbly. We need to do it for the other person's benefit. Let's put that Galatians verse back up. So gently and humbly, help that person back onto the right path for their benefit. And here's the, here's the last part. And be careful not to fall into the same temptation yourself. We do that, don't we? Here's what I mean. In other words, proceed with caution. That's what this verse is saying. Proceed with caution. Be thoughtful about when you confront. See, at times the thing that bothers me in somebody else's life is the very thing that I'm struggling with in my own life. Have you ever experienced that? You just notice it everywhere and you're like, that's why it bothers you. God's placed it on your heart because that's why it bothers you. Here's an example, a real life example. I'm assistant coaching my eight-year-old son's Asher Little League Baseball. It is unnecessarily intense at times. Like it gets crazy. Like they're eight and it's like, whoa. I mean, and so early on I'm going like, I'm kind of like, you know, like in my head going like, I don't know if I'd be yelling like that. I don't know if I'd be coaching like that. I don't know. I don't know. Like this seems a lot. There's no MLB scout here or anything like that. Like I don't know why this is getting so intense. This last week on Monday, I caught myself mid-sentence. I, I pulled out Asher, Asher's middle name because I was just so caught up in it. I'm like, Asher, buddy, come on, turn around. Let's go, let's go. I'm screaming at the top of my lungs. What a hypocrite I am. Like, I literally thought, no, I, maybe I should go and talk to these other folks about like, I mean, hey, remember, they're eight and you know, all this other stuff. And I'm right smack dab in the middle of it, looking right at them. Let's go, come on. Can you relate? 
Maybe it's not that thing. But we don't do it humbly and gently. We look at these things that are maybe soapboxes, hot, hot buttons for us. We don't do it humbly and gently. We don't do it for their benefit. We're not proceeding with caution. We're not mindful about, oh, maybe this is something that's going on in my life too. So, that's why. That's why we need to be humble. That's why we need to think about other people. Think about what God wants for them rather than what we want for them. What else though? All right. So here's the last thing that I kind of want to point out. See, what does Nebuchadnezzar do when Daniel confronts him? Does he say, hey, Daniel, thank you so much for your kindness and concern. I will take that under advisement. You're right. No, no, he doesn't do anything. He says, you're wrong. He doesn't change anything. And seven years go by. And everything that Daniel said would happen, happens. So that means King Nebuchadnezzar on his hands and knees, and he's walking around and he's crawling around and he's eating grass like a cow. That happened. Can you imagine being in his court? Can you imagine being in his kingdom? It's like, yeah, that's our king. He's, So what can we learn from that? So yeah, we confront humbly and gently. We do it for the other person's benefit. We proceed with caution. Here's the fourth thing. We remember we're not responsible for the other person's response. So hear me, you're not responsible for their response. You're standing up, you're doing what is right. That's what you're responsible for doing. See, it took seven years for something positive to happen in this story. But we are so, I am so impatient for results. So we think we have one honest conversation, and then that's it. We're like, hey, this is what I think. This is what's going on. This is what I think is right before God. And they're like, yep, you got it. And that doesn't always happen that way. I think it kind of rarely happens that way. See, you're not responsible for their response. Stand up for what is right. Trust God with the rest of it. That's a big theme in the book of Daniel, actually. That you're standing up for what is right, even though they might not respond the right way. That's faith. So how is God prompting you to stand up today? Like in your life, in a relationship, in a difficult situation, it's easy to think about somebody else a long time ago standing up and confronting and doing what is right. What does it look like for you to stand up today? So here are some examples, just some things in my own life that I've been challenged with. I've been thinking about what does it look like for me to stand up for what is right? Stand up for putting God first in my finances. That's a way I can stand up for God. It's easier to prioritize differently, but I'm going to say, no, God, I'm going to put you first. I'm going to stand up for what is right by being an ally in overcoming all sorts of injustice, including racial injustice. And I know that that's so difficult and it's so deep and it's so dividing. But the reality is it could be the most loving thing we can possibly do just to love our neighbor. I'm going to stand up for what is right by being unapologetically loud about doing whatever it takes to reach our community for Christ. See, I believe in the bottom of my heart that Jesus loves every single person that we know. Every single one. So much so that he died for them. He died for me. He died for you. And I think that that's the last way that I'm going to stand up for what is right. I'm going to boldly ask you, have you surrendered your life to Jesus? 
See, because you can't stand up for the things of Jesus if you don't follow Jesus. I've been thinking a lot about Nebuchadnezzar, and he's the villain in this story, like, boo, Nebuchadnezzar, you're so bad. And it's easy to gloss over the fact that we're kind of like King Nebuchadnezzar sometimes. That's super uncomfortable. But the reality is King Nebuchadnezzar saw all these things that God did. He saw the miracles. He even acknowledged them. He came close to them sometimes. But he never quite turned that corner to serving him, to surrendering his life to him. And I believe that Jesus loves each of us so much that he calls us not to just know who he is, not to just acknowledge him, but he calls us to stand up for what is right by surrendering our entire lives, everything we think, everything we want to him. See, he died on the cross for where we fall short for our sin, and he gently and he humbly encourages us to get on that right path with God. So I'm, I'm trying to say it as humbly and as gently as I can. If you haven't, I'd encourage you to surrender your life to Jesus, or maybe that portion of your life to Jesus, that every time you think about that, you go, well, not that one. So if you want to do that, if you want to place your trust in Jesus, if you've never done that, if you don't follow him, if you feel like you're being prompted today to stand up for what is right by surrendering your life to him, I'd encourage you, bow your head, everybody online, everybody here in person, bow your head. If you feel prompted to surrender your life to Jesus, repeat this prayer after me. Jesus, thank you for your love. Thank you for the way you died on the cross for where we fall short of God's standard. I surrender my life to you. I place my trust in you. I want to stand up for what is right. And today I want to stand up for you. Amen. If you said that prayer, will you reach out to us by texting the word chat to 812-408-1188? Even if you feel that inkling to do that right now, I'd encourage you, do it. We want to we celebrate that decision with you. We want to talk to you about what your next steps might be like. And if, if you're thinking, hey, I just want to talk to somebody about what does it look like to stand up for God in my life, we want to do that too. So text that word chat to 812-408-1188. Also in a couple of weeks, we have a baptism coming up. It's a great opportunity to have this outward expression of this inward decision that you might have just made to follow Jesus. See, being baptized is this kind of physical way to stand up for what is right by saying, no, it's all about Jesus. I want everybody to to know. We publicly declare that you're following him. So text chat will follow up with you. And here's one more way I think we can stand up for what is right today. So the band is going to come out. They're going to play a song. And we have an opportunity today to take communion. So those who are here in person, there's communion right under that seat that you're sitting in. There online, you still have time to go get a a cracker, go get that juice. Now, communion is really another way to to stand up. And here's what I mean. Communion is a way we remember everything Jesus has done for us on the cross. So as followers of Jesus, we believe it's important to remember what he's done for us. And that's what what we kind of do during communion. So in that that cracker or that bread, we're remembering his body broken for us. 
that juice, we're remembering his blood shed for us on the cross. But something else happens during communion that I think is pretty incredible. This is 1 Corinthians eleven twenty six, And it says, for every time you eat this bread and drink this cup, communion, you're announcing the Lord's death until he comes. You're announcing it how important Jesus is to you. Communion is a way to announce loud and clear, to stand up for what is right, to say, I'm going to surrender. I'm going to follow. I am thankful for what you have done on the cross. I'm thankful for how it impacts my life today. I'm thankful for the way it impacts eternity. So online, in person, as the band plays, whenever you'd like, if you'd like, take communion as a way to remember and to stand up for what Jesus has done for you. For they play, I'd like to pray for us. Heavenly Father, thank you for your love. Thank you for this love that prompts us to be more grace-filled, be more truth-filled, to really honor you with what we do, to stand up for the things that you want us to stand up for. I'm challenged by that, that it's not the things that I care about. It's not the things that I want to stand up for. It is standing up for you. It's keeping our eyes focused on you. And I'm so thankful for the cross and this opportunity we have today to remember this huge, perfect, relentless love that you have for us. So much so that you would send your son Jesus to die on the cross. So much so that you would prompt us to follow him with everything we have. So much so that in that decision, everything else melts away. All these things of today, all these things of this life are just resting in your love, that perfect love. Thank you for that love and that reminder today. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.